Hi, this is Ben. This is Lisa. This is Adrian. This is Chris. This is Clive, the Wood Fired Oven Chef. And you are listening to the Wood Fired Oven Podcast with Mark Gostin. Welcome to part two of the amazing factory tour with Ben Guilford at the Firebrick Company. If you haven't checked out part one of this mini-series, I encourage you to head on back through the back catalogue, which is only a few episodes ago, and take a listen to part one. It's an amazing adventure through Ben's incredible factory. We left the last episode with Ben chatting about the wonderful messages that he receives from his customers, and they put them up on their wonderful thank you wall. Let's kick off with part two and see if we can get lost in Ben's amazing factories. You must be very thankful for Instagram because there are so many D105s and food getting pumped out of Instagram. Absolutely. In America, we actually only just started paying for advertising. Really? We never paid, so we're doing some Google ads. Yeah, nice. But we had, up until now, we had never done any advertising. We had people on social media, uh, like, posting about our stuff. We had YouTube videos that people would watch and we had a basic website. And that's how we made our sales, and yeah. we didn't we didn't have to pay for any advertising. That's and cool. now we're we're pushing a little bit now because we want to um, grow that market. Yeah. But well, Chris Fozzo, oh my gosh, that guy pumps out so much food. It is insane. Like yeah. every week, at least I will have something from yeah. Chris that I'll you, post up on our yeah, Instagram. And it's fantastic. And, there you go, and I'm Chris. Like, <laughs> I only need like one or two Chris Fozzos, and I we're, we're, our advertising oh, is covered. Chris is such a lovely guy he's too. A, Looking forward to chatting man. to him. So, all right, we'll go out the back okay. of the... Uh, so, again, every single area is utilised. There's not a lot of wasted space. No. In, um, and you can't when you're a small business. Oh, for sure. Unless you're independently wealthy <gasps> somehow. Tremble yes, tools. Tremels. This was great, man. How could how could you build a dome that perfect without using tremel tools? I mean, my, my dad, when he built his first oven, big pile of sand, brick over the sand, oh, okay. pull the sand out. Did he? Really? Pretty messy. Pretty oh. gross. Um, and so... These are just, there's probably, usually we make about 200 at a time now, so this will just be some ones waiting to go in the box. Oh, yeah, big bag. What okay. we're seeing here, so we're, we're up in a mezzanine, and we've got pallets and pallets of components. So D95 flu box. Oh, yeah, right. You know, we might have 200 of those packed and ready to go. This Inside this box, there'll be a flu. Yeah. There'll be chicken wire. There'll be the D95 templates and there'll be the travel tool and it's all in here okay. as an assembly ready, ready to, go to go in the kit. And all of that assembly is, is done right. This is just here? where we're storing. Okay, I'll take you to where, where we make <laughs> okay. it. So we'll, we'll move on. So this is a storage area and again the idea is rather than making everything to order we have I would say at least a hundred of every component at any one time Ready to go. go. So we do big runs of things. So say making oven yep. doors. Yep. Usually it's run of four hundred. Yeah. So we get all the laser cutting for four hundred doors, and we and we weld up four hundred doors, yeah, and then we we finish off four hundred doors, and then we put them in storage, and and that way we get good efficiency in the process, and everyone gets their eye in yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so we, yeah. So is it easy? I mean, okay. So I'm looking at a lot of product here. I yep. don't know. There, there might be twenty big pallets here. Yep. Uh, it, how do you? Maintain control over these different uh, batches of so so you got a problem with a door you get a problem with a with a flu yes. and it heads off to the states. In terms how, of how batch control, is batch control is not something that we've done particularly now that we have because I guess the paint would have been the one big one yeah. where we're like ah we've had a faulty 
X. Yeah. And the really the only thing that could go wrong is that paint. Yeah. Whereas everything else, um, we don't we don't have things that are n- none of, none of the things in these palettes are um, going to degrade. Yeah. So they, they don't have a shelf life. Okay. Um, what we do in terms of managing inventory is we have a pretty complex piece of software that keeps track of everything that we have. Yeah. Tells us exactly how many of everything. Great. And there's okay. months and months. We could talk about that for half an yeah. hour. Uh, that <laughs> did would you design be, that too, did you? No, actually I have. <laughs> no, I did. I, I had a system that I I, I created yeah. that would tell me what I needed to buy and when. I spent ah. about three months designing this massive mother of all spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was a 125 meg spreadsheet. Oh, you're joking. And there were no images really? or anything. It oh, was just geez. data. Really? Anyway, anyway, this is a fascinating conversation for you. Listen, uh, oh, that's all right. Uh, but you've but upgraded no. now, have you? So we've upgraded to yeah, it. We've, okay. we've got a system that's um, sort of a paid piece of software, like yeah. a monthly subscription, yep, and that yep. helps us stay on, on top of everything that we have, but also – Tells us when we need to buy things. Yeah, so okay. there's trigger points. Yep. When we, you know, okay. All right, you need to order this now. And, yeah, yeah, and gotcha. so we can modify all that to make sure that we stay ahead, particularly in these days of like supply chain issues, yeah. which are just – Has that been a challenge for you? Oh, my word, yes. Yeah. Far yeah. out. It's oh. been ferocious. Yeah. So oh. for us, when COVID kicked in, firstly I thought, well, we're, we're in trouble now uh, because we, we sell – I think it's a beautiful product – um, and it's a lovely thing to have, mm. but you don't have to have one mm. to live. Yeah. And so part of me thought, well, like people are going to stop spending money yeah. because there's so much uncertainty. Mm. People will stop spending money and um, and the first thing they stop spending on is is dispensable yeah. stuff like wood fire Yeah. Well, uh, that I reckon it felt like that for about a month and then it just went insane. Did it? Oh, it was nuts. Oh, I think our sales gosh. went up 75%. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, it was wild. Isn't that Which amazing? Which is amazing. Like, it oh, just, what so, a blessing that would so, have been. So, oh, Yes. Oh, so we just we gosh. went hammer and tongs, and um, so you know, thankfully we had a huge buffer of raw materials yeah. to to work with. Yeah. But um, even then, we still ran out by the end of that year. So that was like March twenty twenty, and yeah. by the end of twenty twenty, we ran out. End of November, we had no bricks left. Is uh, that right? Yeah, yeah. We had okay. a, by January, we had one hundred and fifty orders in the system waiting. So, so oh, it arrived geez, like really? just, just after Christmas. The stock oh, arrived on holidays. Gosh. Anyway, on uh, holidays. Yeah. yeah oh. Boss never gets a holiday. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and then we, we got we got cracking. We turned out we turned out one hundred and fifty ovens in less than three weeks. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Did the you, team really? pretty awesome. That, that is pretty awesome. What's this gorgeous smell I'm smelling? That is would it, be is I that reckon glue. <laughs> I do love glue. It does um, smell quite nice. Let's go and find out. <laughs> like, it's a gorgeous what smell. am I smelling? <laughs> yeah. You might be immune to it. Oh, then. it's the fiberglass. It's oh, the fiberglass. It? And, and I love the smell of fiberglass. Now, oh, it's lovely. The guys will have masks on. Okay, but we're just getting a whiff of it, but it's nice. I love the smell of fiberglass. It's not something that you want to no. um, inhale all day. Oh. But oh, the smell, it smells like progress, doesn't it? It does smell like progress. Nathan. <laughs> Hi, Nathan. How are you? He's our leading hand, doing a terrific job. So. Here they are. Uh, so, so, so we're back where we're the back. domes are getting made. Correct. So how long does this particular process take to create these domes? So in terms of – Steve, how long would it take you to do a full run? So Steve's wearing a massive mask and you're asking me a yeah, yeah, question. Yeah. So here we go. By myself about two hours. Yep. With two of us just over an hour. Yeah. Okay. And how many will you produce in that time? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, so, that's that, pretty efficient. Oh, yeah, he doesn't muck around. No, he doesn't uh, muck around. But it's, it's a process of you wax the dome first. So you wax the mould. Then you mix up some resin, uh, which we have in the background. So that's a fibreglass resin with a hardener. Uh, then you, you roll it into your fibreglass mat. 
and then you lay that onto the mould and then you roll it out. You get all the bubbles Gotcha, out. right. Um, okay. I was very, very fortunate um, to learn how to fibreglass at a, a friend, well, he wasn't a friend at the time, uh, he was a supplier, Rodney uh, of Metal Morphous. He okay. let me come and use his work, workshop for five months. Oh, you lucky thing. Right? And he taught me how to fiberglass. He taught me how to spray paint. Oh, uh, and he helped me to get our first set of moulds made yeah. for, for making the ovens. Right. So let's go and have a look at that. Okay, let's so do it. We'll enter the... Uh, stop raining. Stop, that's, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Um, so <laughs> we're at the back now. And these two factories that we're behind, we don't actually... Um, Lease these ones, okay. Uh, but we're on terrific terms with them. Oh, yeah, so they've sublet- good to have good neighbours. Oh, they, they, we try, we try to uh, you know take care of everyone, and they're, they're so <laughs> lovely. They've lent us the spaces, and so we've set them up, uh, you know, to do a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah. right there, we just got a bunch of brick storage. Yep. Nothing, nothing too exciting happening there. Okay. In here, uh, so we're now in a covered area, uh, and we have our brick saw. Uh, so you do all your own cutting. So yes. you're not you're not manufacturing the bricks themselves. You 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 purchase we those. We bring in. So nobody makes fire bricks in Australia anymore. Don't they? No, there used to be, and there used to be in in Victoria alone. There were seven manufacturers of fire bricks some time ago. Like this, really, a few decades yeah. ago. And now all the thing with making fire bricks is you need a mine. So you've got a mine that's got to have fire clay in it. So right. you mine the clay. Yeah, and then. You, you grade it and you press it into moulds and then you fire it in a massive tunnel kiln. And it's a big create, effort. It's, it's a whole thing. But here's the thing. You need a big area. Yeah. You need a mine. Well, nowadays, if, you, if you've had a look at real estate pricing around Melbourne, oh, yeah. it's much oh. more valuable as housing than it is as a fire clay mine. So yeah. they all basically all shut down and have been built over. Right. Uh, okay. And so... We bring in the vast majority of our bricks from Thailand. Yep, um, they are gorgeous bricks, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, before I bought my D105, I bought some refractory bricks to build a small barbecue thing. Never got built. I've still got a couple of the, the square bricks around. They're not that good. Yes, yours are quite different. I'm yours so are fussy. Yours oh, are yours man. are incredibly high quality like, fire bricks. It took me it took me a very very long time to yeah. find the right supplier, yeah. um, and because we are so heavily focused on. On quality, yeah. I remember one an early container that I had delivered from a supplier. I basically took it to the tip. Did you? I opened the doors yeah. and I was greeted with disappointment. Oh, uh, it, what was, a shame. it was. I was just like, it was a new supplier. It was a sample. They said, "Here's the thing: if anyone out there is thinking about starting a business importing material, yeah. go for it. Like, yeah. but be aware they'll send you samples. Yeah, and the samples will look really good, like right. by mail. Of course, just little, yeah, little nice. pieces. They yeah, look the great. The best of the best. Then yeah. you get a twenty foot container delivered, and uh. there's chance that it might be something very different oh. uh, which is and that's just part of it yeah it, it's it, I think I went, it, I went through seven manufacturers before I found the one that I stuck with is that yeah. right really uh, very expensive process that one oh, was I bet it was so, so but these are gorgeous yeah they're, yeah. they're beautiful brick um, they're really well made very dense you're looking for like a nice high pitch sound so when yeah, they knock together beautiful. you don't want a dull thump that, that tells I, you you've got a brick that's relatively soft. Okay. You're looking for, and, and if I had a little hammer, we could tap and they make a ping, yeah, a high yeah, pitch pinging sound. Yep. And that's when you know you've got a really well fired, hard material. But I'm looking for really sharp edges. Yep. Sharp corners. Yep. And and just like just, I want I want a good looking brick. Um, that's just gorgeous. And, and when the flame is licking up those bricks, it is just. Outstanding. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's nice to see them like this. Is it quite difficult to cut them so precise? 
Um, well, here's the thing. We do a lot of cutting, but we also have spent an inordinate amount of money on, <laughs> on making moulds. So our supplier in Thailand has made uh, custom moulds for our bricks. So I, I'm, oh, I'm an engineer, so I draw everything in CAD. Yeah, yeah. I love CAD. Yeah, Computer-aided yeah. design for yep. the uninitiated. Yes. Um, and so I'll draw, I'll do a 3D model of the brick that I want, and I send it to them, and I say, hey, guys, how much is it going to cost for you to make a mould to stamp tens of thousands of this brick? Yeah, right. They give me a price. I have a small heart attack. Yes. And then and I you, hand over the money. The, the, the uh, well, well, now. well yeah. I either make the decision to, yes, we'll... We'll, um, we'll pay that and, and they'll make that shape for us. Or, no, no, we'll take a, a brick and we'll, we'll continue cutting them. Yeah. And yeah. so it's looking at, uh, you know, the, doing that cost analysis of yeah. is this worth doing? Mm, we can mm, cut them, mm, mm. but cutting bricks is, I'm not going to say a dangerous process, but it's, it's loud, yeah. it's, it's, it's dusty, mm. it's, um, it's got a big spinning blade involved. Yeah. And so if so you don't have to do it, if I don't nice. have to do yeah, it, um, yeah. then particularly yeah. if, if I if I get a mold made and let's say the type one bricks in the kit, yep. in the D105 there's 120 of them, yep. right? So it would make really good sense for us to have a mold for that yep. because I think right now we have, I think we've got like 45,000 in stock, <laughs> right? Now if we had to cut all of those, heavens to Betsy. <laughs> well, no, when I started the business, oh, I didn't have any molds. No. So you know, I would have standard size bricks. And my dad came down for a week, right? Uh, and he stayed at my place sleeping on the floor. Oh, thanks, Dad. Full, yeah, no, no, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. dad. Because for wow. five days, Dad got on the saw, eight hours a day, and cut bricks. That's and cool. by the end of the week, we had enough bricks to make, I think it was, I think it was ten ovens. Is that right? From a week of cutting. Wow. It was just nuts. Like, oh, my gosh. Because... There's so much cutting involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so now we have it down where most of our bricks are being pressed very into very accurate moulds. So they're coming right. to us perfect. All done. It's great. But there's still some bricks that need cutting. Okay. So these, what we're cutting here is the, the entry arch. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so you be familiar with, when you look into your oven, yep. where the opening meets the dome, yep. there's actually, it's the bricks are ground into a curve. Yes. Right? Yep. That is something we do here. Okay. So we start off by cutting the rough curve. So we cut each brick. You see this brick's got a mark oh, on it. yes, okay. And we've, we've got a jig set up here so that each brick comes out the same. Okay. Um, and so someone's going to cut like 200 of these. Right, shortly. okay. And, and But you see, a saw does not cut a curve. And it does it's not. It's going to cut a straight and line. And that looks like a curve. That's a curve, the, right? The, the like, line well, on yeah, the brick. Well, you know, that's yeah. what are you doing, Ben? Yeah, like, I know. Um, and, and so oh, we're going to cut it roughly and then we have a pretty rad jig. Uh, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Did you build it? Uh, I've got to find it. Is, is <laughs> We've still got it. It's around. Uh, no. um, so it's it's a diamond grinder and it cut, it grinds the curve into the back of the bricks. And I will be physically impossible oh to explain it to your listeners. But it does work. We yeah. call it the Velosa grinder. <laughs> right? It's another, <laughs> I love it. another rad name. Oh, that is a rad name, um, man. That's and, great. And so we've got the Velosa grinder and okay. so we start off, we cut these bricks, yeah. but then we grind them. Yeah, right. And that's, a, again, sort of a... It's probably a good example of like the effort that we go to. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult. We occasionally someone when I was on the phone as a salesperson, someone would ask, "Why should I buy your oven? Why is yours better?" And it's kind of it's a hard question oh, to answer yeah, sure. because it's so it's so involved. But I would say, well, if you had a look at that, yeah, and look at the sheer level, the lengths that we're going to, yeah. to try and make this the best possible product that we can. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, the, well, it's incredibly the, the, well engineered. There's no doubt about it. My gosh. 
Well, well, I'll try and find you the Velocigrana so you can okay, see Okay, let's but, have a look. So we've got, um, in here, this is like the engine room. This is about the 30-second um, You should take a room. photo of this. Uh, that is a gorgeous room. Um, Okay, so we're looking at looking at rows and rows of red things and white things. <laughs> wow, <laughs> they look like molds to me. Great describing, yeah, thank you. Mark. Really good. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, I worked hard on that. What, so. you're, what you're looking at, I, um, I'm not entirely sure how many there are. Uh, I've got this all in a CAD model somewhere, but we've got about 50 shaker tables. So we've got you'll see these um, steel frames, yeah, small sort of shin height frames. Uh, with rubber feet, yep. and they've got an orange motor on each one, and that's a vibrating uh, motor. <laughs> right? So right. if we go over to one of these and we turn this on. It's jumping around. It's dancing around, right? Wow. It's vibrating quite aggressively. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, and you're like, well, what are these all about? So on top of those steel frames, we bolt down our fiberglass moulds. Okay. Right? Now, now, what we're looking at here, uh, all of our moulds are two-part moulds. The, the castings that we're making yep. are, man, they're complicated shapes. Oh, yeah, they they're look not good. simple. Like, no. if we were casting simple rectangles, No. I could do that. That'd be easy, easy, wouldn't it? It'd be easy. You could do a rectangle oven. Just, just do a, oh, no, just do do a box yeah. and then you just tip it out <laughs> and it will fall out, right? Oh, but what we're making has tongue and groove joins. It's, oh, it's got three-dimensional curves going on. It's, it's complex. Yeah. So it's a two-part mould. Okay. So these moulds bolt together. Uh, so we got like um, high-speed rattle guns where we can we can do up the moulds. So that in in each of these moulds, there's ten bolts holding the two parts together. Okay. Uh, so we take this part here. Goodness comes me. up. You'll see this. this uh, okay. Box on there. Yep. Bolts hold it together. Yes. And now we can pour the refractory concrete ah. through this so that's opening at the top. Uh, and then we vibrate the living daylights out of it to get all the bubbles out of okay. it. Okay. Right? So that's why you have to jiggle it. That's why we have to jiggle it. Because when you when you pour concrete, and you'd be familiar with yeah. this one. I had to get some the vibration motor thing. Yes. Uh, and that was amazing. All these yeah, yeah. bubbles just appeared yeah. from nowhere. If you, so, like, if you've never poured concrete no. before, you might think, oh, it comes as, like, a soup, and you just pour it into yeah. a mould, and yeah. it fills the mould yeah. like water. Yeah. But when you get concrete, it is thick, yeah. and it necessarily so. It needs to be thick. The more water you add to a concrete mix, the weaker it becomes. Really? Right? So you actually okay. want to minimise the amount of water that you're putting into your concrete gotcha. um, in order to ensure you've got the highest strength part. Yeah. And so the same goes for refractory concrete. Okay. We can have a whole shadow about hot. refractory concrete. <laughs> um, but refractory concrete, we want to mix that up yeah. to a, a, a consistency that it, we, can, we can pour, but we don't want it any wetter than that. Okay. Because... Uh, when we when we make these, we actually we pour these molds. Yep. Um, we might pour them in the morning. Yep. And they they will have set hard enough to pop out of the molds by late afternoon. Is that right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. We, now we have a test process that we use to make sure they are hard enough. Yeah. It's called a Schmidt hammer Schmidt, for the nerds out a there. Schmidt hammer. Don't go out and buy a Schmidt hammer. You don't need one. Okay. But <laughs> I think I started the business primarily to buy tools. To cool tools. As an excuse uh, to buy tools. You're just like a living Bunnings workshop here. It's, it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so we have a whole heap of these molds. And so look, did, when I started, did you build all these yourself? Yeah, right? made all of them. I've made like everything in here. I, I mean, I didn't make amazing. the motors, yeah. but um, all the all the frames, all the welding, um, all the design is all something. And are you and, pleased and with how these work? That they're functioning exactly as designed? Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. You're like, how did you come up with this? Yeah. I was working as an engineer before I started the business, yeah. right? And um, 
I'd studied aerospace and mechanical engineering, mm. did really well. Mm. I had a couple of internships at aerospace companies. They wanted me to come back. But when I graduated, it was the global financial crisis. Yeah. And they were firing people left and right. Oh, one, boy. one of the places I did an internship with fired half of their staff. Oh, geez, So really? there was no work. There was nothing. So I went into civil. Yep. And specifically, I went into um, sort of roads and bridges. Yep. And I worked for a company, started with Fulton Hogan, yep. uh, which is a New Zealand company. It, Kiwi company. Yes. Go the Kiwis. Uh, go the Kiwis. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and then I moved to Abbey Group. Yep. And at Abbey Group, I was the precast engineer for the Peninsula Link Freeway, which is a, quite a large freeway project down towards Mornington, which you should yep. visit. Is actually, it actually while you're here? It's beautiful. It's, oh. it's, it's a lovely part of Victoria. Yeah, lovely. So... Um, my job was the precast, yeah. man- managing all of the precast beams, the things that you're driving over when you go over a bridge. Yes. Those are my beams. Oh, they're your beams. Um, beams, you know, beams. Barriers. Okay. Panels, piles, any, it was precast. That so was all of that stuff is precast. Okay. So, so I can see where you're going here. So, so yeah. basically, I was out at these precast yards mm. and I remember walking around thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah. All of my yeah. colleagues are working on the bridges themselves. Yeah. And that was where I thought I should be, thinking... Like that's my path to um, go to to climbing the ladder, mm. to you know to moving on to being from a site engineer to being a project engineer yeah. to, be, to yeah. being a manager. Yeah. And they were all on that path. They were all getting this this experience. And here's me okay. out at the dusty precast yard on the yeah. outskirts of Melbourne, going, "What am I doing here? Yeah. Like this is." It was kind of depressing. Uh, and I just remember thinking, "How is this possibly benefiting me yeah. in the long run?" Okay. Well, I'll tell you how. I got, um, I got like two full years of exposure and learning in how to do precast. Yeah, fantastic. Precast concrete. And this yep. is the same, it's the same thing, that the material is slightly different. Yep. It's still a concrete. Yeah. You mix it with water, it will, it reacts, the cement reacts and it sets hard. Right. It's the same process. Okay. So I got this fantastic exposure that is and experience in, in casting. And here it is today. And here it is. And we're looking and, at it. I mean, I tell you, the first, the first shaker that I made was pretty dodgy. Was but, it? <laughs> oh, it was. It was an old bench grinder, and I had put a weight Wait, on one of the wheels. I had, like, secured a weight to unbalance it, yeah. and it would, it would dance around. Oh, and, wow. and the thing was, um, I'd welded it into a little dinky little metal yeah. cabinet, yeah. and the whole cabinet would move across the floor. <laughs> as, so you had to pin it in place with one foot, and then you're pouring with the other hand. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and, oh, and so this cabinet's trying to get away from me. Oh. And I remember one time, the wells let go, and I just heard this, bang, 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 bang. And I, and I turned it up, and the motor has just oh, come no. off. The motor is detached. Oh, no. But I was halfway through the pour of this yeah. part. It was a flue gallery. Oh, no. And I had to weld oh, it back no. in before the castle setting. It was a oh, whole thing. Oh, my gosh. So anyway. Well, these look very well bolted to the floor with big rubber feet. Well, with huge they're, vibration motors on them. Correct. And, and the idea is we want to vibrate the parts really thoroughly to get all the bubbles out so okay. that we're making the... A dense part. Yeah. We don't want little voids in it. That will make it weaker. Okay. Now, if we had a little void in it, it won't make it explode. Um, and that's actually a really interesting thing about the refractory castable that we use. Is um, if you come over here, the boys are doing some work on the moulds. We may be able to see some. Here we go. We've got a washout tub. Okay. We're so looking floor. at a big blue tub inside it. We've got slurry of something. It looks what like is, a murky water, right? This is where we've washed out the buckets that we use to pour the castable. Right. And you see, we've got this this hair. Like yeah. It's like this plastic, very, 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 very fine yeah. fibres, right? Yep. This is actually plastic. And they're incredibly fine filaments of plastic. And right. the idea is, 
they set, when your castable sets, it has all these tiny, tiny filaments of uh, fiber yeah. through it. When you fire the oven, those filaments will melt and burn out. And what's left behind is micro tunnels okay. through the casting. Tiny little paths oh. that air or water could get out oh, of. Is that right? So, because if you had yeah. normal concrete and you had a void in the middle of it, and somehow that void, let's say over five years, it got full of water. Yeah. And then you heated that up to 500 degrees. Yeah. That will become steam yep. and it will literally explode. Right. right? Okay. And that's why your castings, and again, this is some pretty nerdy stuff yeah. for your listeners. But I didn't know. This is very so interesting, all, though. All refractories, all refractories are designed to be porous. Interesting. They're all porous. Yep. Okay. And the reason, there's it's a couple of reasons, but one of them is to allow for... Um, if you had a pocket yep. in a casting, for example, well, when you heat it up, there's somewhere okay. for that air there's to go to expand for it to go. into okay. without without ah, causing any damage. Okay, right. So anyway, interesting. That's, that's, oh, that's, that's very interesting. Um, okay, so it looks like we're at the Ferrari factory here. Yeah, it's red. we like red. We're, the the red models is are all red. No, well, the Why reason red? for the red is it's called tooling gel coat. So I mentioned a boat before, hmm. and they're often white. So white is uh, a standard gel coat. Yep. Um, nothing wrong with it. Tooling gel coat is much harder wearing. Okay. So I mentioned before, like yeah. we could get 200 parts out of one of these molds over, over a lot of time, obviously. Um, uh, and, and the reason we can do that is they're made with a very hard wearing gel coat because when you pour refractory concrete in, you're basically pouring in like wet sandpaper. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And it's trying to abrade the mold. Yep. It's trying to mm. wear into it. And so if you look at some of our really old ones, so say over here, these ones have actually, these molds have been going for quite a while. Yeah. And so you see, we've actually like worn it has through. It started to worn it out on the top there, right? Um, so how many how many uses would you get out of this before this you start to get this a little bit? Getting like this one's still fine, but it is getting towards the end of its life, where we will swap it out and pop in a new one. Well, um, that, that's very impressive in here. Well, and the, the team over here are actually working on reconditioning molds. Okay. So these are molds that have been in um, in rotation for a while. Yes. They'll pull them out. They'll clean them. They'll look for any defects. Yeah. Polish them. Okay. And, uh, them and set production. them up yeah. ready to be back in production. Now, before we leave this room, I'll point out a couple of other things. Yeah. We've got overhead gantry cranes. Yes. Uh, so we're not doing any heavy lifting. Uh, yeah. So everything that needs to be lifted lifted by crane. Yep. Mm. Uh, the smaller parts, we actually have trolleys. I've designed trolleys that you just push up against the mold okay. and just pull the mold onto it. Okay. It's at the same They're height. They're not radio controlled. You can't oh, sit in your one office. Day, and, one day. One day. the robots. You know, let's Amazon um, robots. Then we come back here. And I, this is our mixer. Now, I think I, I saw this, this on YouTube. I bought this on Gray's Online. <laughs> like all good tools. Like everything. It's, it's, oh. a, it's a 20-year-old, well, now it's probably 23 years old, um, Concrete mixer. Right. The kind of thing that would be in a mini-mix plant. Yes. Uh, where, you you know, if you get a mini mini batch of concrete, it would be mixed up in something like this. So this will mix one tonne in about five minutes. Goodness me. Right? And it is a violent machine. Is this? I love it. But when I got it, it was a rusty pile of junk. <laughs> uh, and, and so I spent about three months restoring it, fully stripped it apart. I spent, I don't know how long, chiseling old concrete out of it. I've rebuilt the gearbox. Everything world, and it taught me. I, I learned so much yeah. from doing that. Oh, you were, what, was I, that a COVID I, project? Uh, it was. It was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID pre project. Wow. Um, not far before COVID though. Um, so we're walking up the stairs to have a look into this beast of a machine. So I'll just lift the hatch. You wanna? Oh my gosh! So what you see in there is you've got this big cylindrical sort of pan. Yeah. About a half a meter deep, and you've got 
uh, this crazy black gearbox that's going to whip around in here and do the mixing. And you see these, they've got um, these these blades on them, these yes. mixing blades, yep. and they're polished from where? It's so cool. Right? So, so, oh, it's so oh, cool. That I, is I, nice. I love it. Like when I got these, these were sharp. Those edges were not rounded like that. But they've just mixed so much material now. It looks like they've a got this beast beautiful of the machine. It is. Um, and we've, we've um, so I spent a lot of time uh, setting this up. But this is like the heart of our casting operation. Is it? Yeah. When we first started, I was mixing everything in one of those orange cement mixers. Oh, really? You know, you put like 75 kilos yeah. in. Um, and, you, and it would mix. It would take about 10 minutes to mix up 75 a kilos. A small batch, yeah. Because we wanted it to be really dry. Yeah. You can mix up concrete very quickly if you're willing to make it really wet. Okay. But if you want a dry mix, not too, not too wet. I'm not talking dry powdery, yeah. but it's not a wet soup. It takes ages to mix it. Right. So you need a lot of shearing force, and those mixers just don't have it. Right. So uh, to upgrade, we, we upgraded in between those mixers. We upgraded to a mixer that would do about 150 kilos at a time. But we were still mixing for hours. If we wanted to do a run of, say, five P85 castings, we could mix for, uh, I don't know, four hours. It was just because really? so, it, it wasn't very fast time. either. Yeah, right. But this thing is just a beast. It's a beast. So, yeah, uh, absolutely love it. It's got, I'll see if I can turn it on. Yeah, here we go. So it's, it's got a lot of safety interlocks. Yep. So, for example, if we were to. We've got the hatch open right now. You could literally fall into this. I could there. fall into this, and if I was to turn it on and it and it ran, it would kill me. Like, yeah. hopefully, very, very quickly. quickly. Um, so what we have is a cleaning mode. Um, so, uh, what are we low on? Door access open. I know. So you see, I've turned on the cleaning mode. Okay, it's, and it's moving around slowly. Correct. And what that allows us to do is we can clean everything. Because I told the guys, if you don't clean this properly, I'm going to kill you. No, wait, I'll take it back. Please clean it properly. Because, well, because I know how long. I've laid on my back in this machine for hours cleaning it. And I said, guys, I want to make sure that I never, ever have to yeah, do that again. absolutely. So we're going to clean it really thoroughly each time we use it. Yep. And so we've got the pressure washer. Uh, we can bring up here and we can we can gurney all of this and make it yeah, just perfect. Just beautiful. Um, yeah, so this is one of my one of my favorite machines. Now, if I close this, it'll still keep running on safety mode. Yeah. So I'll turn that off, and then I'll start it again. And you'll see, if you have a look through this little hatch, you'll see actually how fast it goes. Oh my gosh! You see, like that would mess you up pretty bad. Well, you'd be, you'd be done by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be. <laughs> Um, and so, and the blades are whipping wow, around in amazing. there, and they're only about four millimeters off the surface. So everything it took me an entire day just to calibrate the blades so they weren't going to touch the surface on the way around. Oh my gosh. They, they were just right. They weren't too high. They weren't too low. So all of these things has been a found amount of work, but it's totally worth oh, it. Oh yeah, and the long term, um, absolutely. Yeah. So so, so, you, so you said about a ton worth of product. We mix up six hundred fifty kilos at a time. So we have bulk bags. Okay. That are precisely 650 kilos. Okay. We have a gantry hoist uh, gotcha. here. Comes Pick, over the top of the machine. And it actually travels as well. You don't have to pull it. You just press a button. 
right? <laughs> that comes over the top. And then we have the Blades of Terror. I was about to say. Yeah. They're going to mess you up. They, yeah, don't fall onto those. <laughs> and you'll be pleased to hear, listeners, that you can't. They oh, are out of reach. You can't fall onto the Blades of Terror. But basically, it's a bag breaker. So you lower the bag onto the blades, it opens the bottom, and the, the, all the, the dry mix falls into ah, the mixer. Yes, then we You've thought of everything, haven't you? I mean, it's, over, it's, it's very clever stuff I would stuff like here. to think I have, but I, ha- like, I have There's heaps of things I have. This is incredibly innovative. But, but the thing is, how I've, how I've, like, say... So this is a good example. Here, this thing. This is a little metal case, a little metal box with an open top. Yep. And the bottom of it has... Um, you may recognise those di- those bars. Oh, the I same do. Bars out of that looks like my Tuscan it, grill. It looks like a Tuscan it grill does. at the bottom, and, and it's sitting <laughs> over the mixer, and and that is how we put in the stainless steel fibres, right? Okay. It's a really good example because I, I think you were, you know, when you were we were talking about maybe what we might, we might discuss. It was like, yeah. well, how do you come up with the ideas? And it's very incremental. Yeah. Uh, and so one of one of the one of the things that we have to do is we need to put in stainless steel fibres into the castable. Okay. So all of our castings are not just refractory concrete. They're refractory concrete with 3% stainless steel fibres in them. Why is that? If you... The best analogy of, like, refractory con- castable, it's called, is, think of it as refractory concrete, is normal concrete. So normal concrete is amazing in compression. Yep. So if you squish it, it's very, very strong. But if you were to make a long, slender piece of concrete, it snaps really easy. Yeah, right. Hopeless in tension... And shear and okay. bending. Yep. It's not strong in no. those. But what is, is steel. Okay. So you make a composite. Okay, right. You take your concrete, which is great in compression, and you, you put steel into it, and now you're getting both. You're getting something that's good in compression, but it's also good in bending. Oh, fascinating. Right? Right. And, and, and tension. The, the steel handles that element of the stress. Mm-hmm. So the stainless steel fibres that we put in the castings are there... To handle, to give, to give it tensile strength, tensile toughness. Yeah. Uh, without that, the parts would just, if they got a crack in them, they would literally become two pieces. Yeah, right. Okay. But with the stainless steel oh, fibers all through them, they so are, there's they a are lot so of strong. science in here. There's oh, a lot of science in here. Yeah, yeah. And and learning, like, yeah. and you say, well, how did you come up with that? Yeah. I made my very, the, probably the biggest, the dumbest thing I did was it, when I made my first. I think it was about twelve precast flue galleries. I made them with refractory castable, but at the time I wasn't aware of uh, of the stainless steel fibres. Now, now I knew about reinforcing my background. I was yeah. well aware of reinforcing, yeah. but I wasn't aware uh, uh, that that I could actually reinforce these these parts. Yeah. Because if you put mesh, you know the stuff that you expect to see in, in concrete, big heavy mesh. If you put that into refractory concrete, it will actually cause cracking, because the steel, oh. even if it was stainless steel. When it's that diameter, We're talking about like that rebar mesh, the rebar, stuff. Yeah, 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 gotcha, gotcha, yeah, right. I was thinking it would get really hot. It would get hot, and what it would do when it gets hot is expand. Ah, of course. And when yeah. it expands, it's going to crack. It's going to crack the material around it because the material around it has a different expansion coefficient. Uh, gotcha. So this, so by using fibers, they're so thin. They're, they are horrible okay. little things. They're oh. needles. Yeah, but right? they're stabby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but they're so thin that they don't create a cracking problem in their expansion. Gotcha. And I actually, um, like, all, I think a lot of engineering design is is not like, oh, some brilliant engineer came up with everything. It's they read up on what someone else had done. And yeah. someone has actually done a study. They did their PhD on the quantity of stainless steel fibres to put into refractory castable components 
that will res- that will yield you the highest strength. Well, that was handy. But exactly right. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a It's three percent. It's three percent competitors. Put three that, percent. That, that's awesome. Uh, anyway, that, that's anyway, awesome. Sorry, I, I oh. But so, in terms of putting the, the stainless steel fibers into the mixer, yeah. what we used to have to do was. We would get our box of fibres, neat, basically needles. We would put on these very expensive oh. puncture-proof gloves. Yeah, right. And then you would grab a handful of them and you would sprinkle them into the little hatch here yep. in the mixer, which is completely safe. I can't yep. accidentally put my hand yep. in there. We'd sprinkle them in slowly. And it would take about eight minutes to put in all of the fibres. Yeah. And the puncture-proof gloves, uh, We're not, not puncture-proof-ish. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and these are the best gloves we could get for the yeah. purpose, and they, you would still get a fibre getting through oh, there. Oh, yuck, yuck. So the, the reason, I guess, I, I came up with this, this system here, which... Which is the just, box, the big box on the top you, of the you machine. You dump your whole box of fibres into that. We've got a special chute to, to get them in there, so yep. they're not reaching out and hurting my back or anything. And then I press a button and it vibrates the box and they sprinkle in uh, through the grid so that's in how the you, bottom. you meter it in. And that's why, because otherwise you get lumps. Yeah, right. If you get a lump of, of needles in your mix, it, it's like this apple yeah. of like fibres. Spiky. And, and we don't want that to end up in a casting because yeah. that would be a horribly weak point. Yeah, gotcha. But the reason I developed that is I try and put myself in the process. So yep. I came and helped out with Paul. Now, like I said, I used to have to do this all by myself. Yes. Now I have a fantastic team. That's right. But I still will come. You see, I'm, I'm filthy. No, like, you, you are. You're, you're dirty. All, you're dressed up. Yeah, you're very clean. <laughs> well, I was coming to see right? Ben, wasn't uh, I? <laughs> you look great. I am haggard. Uh, uh, but, but, like, I, I came down and I was on the pool for about three weeks. We were doing it nearly every day. Yeah. And I jumped and I was like, right, I'll do the needles. I'm like, I hate this. This is horrible. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, what can I do? Um, how can I improve this? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how, uh, like, we ask the guys every day, we have a meeting at the end of the day, and we say, hey, has anyone come across any hazards? So safety stuff um, is our first question. Uh, and we encourage, mm. we want, mm. we don't want people to go, um, oh, I won't say it, I'll get in no, trouble. No, so no, 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 tell me. Yeah. I want to hear about it. But also, have you thought of any ideas that, or, that might make things better? Mm. Or is there a part of the work that's particularly annoying? Mm. Right, where you're like, it would if we could do this differently, it would be better. Yeah. And when so if they bring up something, we'll we'll write it down. Marcus and I will have a weekly meeting, and we go, all right, how can we tackle that? How yeah. can we make that process better? Yeah. Um, and and maybe it's a, a giant project that will take months, or maybe it's a five minute thing um, that we can do very easily. So mm, good. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So uh, it, it's a it becomes a more enjoyable place to work, a safer place to work. But yeah, I can see walking through this place that it's a, it's a big evolution. Absolutely. You know, this did not happen oh, on day one, twenty eleven. Absolutely not. No. And and for folks who haven't yes. had the privilege to come here, it is a sizable place with a lot of incredible innovation. I'm I'm very impressed. Well, like I love this thing. So we used to when we were putting the water in the mix, we used to um we had a bucket with a line in it, and you'd pull the water into the into, up to the line, yeah. and then you've got the right amount of water. Uh-huh. So what we have here is a stainless steel hopper suspended from the ceiling. Yep. It's got a strain gauge uh, that is holding it up, and we can measure uh, to about, I think it's about 50 mil accuracy. Really? The amount of water we put uh, in. Ah, genius. And so we dose in the water into the hopper, yep. we weigh it out perfectly, yep. we get the mixer going, and we press a button, and it puts in the right amount okay, of Okay, so you're getting a water. very consistent result very every consistent. single time. Yeah, and, and we can train our team, like I don't need to, um, how do I say this, 
they, they don't have to come to me with all this experience in concrete. Yeah. Most of the guys who work here, they're young guys yeah. who are you know, looking for some labouring work. And one of the things that I think they really enjoy, and I know Marcus and I really enjoy it, is teaching them. Yeah, they're like great. giving them skills that they didn't yeah. have before. Fiberglassing, yeah. oh. welding, spray painting, Brilliant. all that stuff. Yeah, it's great. Um, anyway. That's um, great. All right. All right. All right. So all right. moving on. Um, down the stairs again? Back down the stairs. Okay. Um, we'll be going into our main packing room. And, uh, I mean, I could talk to you in here for way too long. Uh, <laughs> That's all like, right. like this thing is a bucket washer. Um, Been designed bucket washer. So, so that sits on there, yeah. and you just load your see that little trigger there. Yes. You put your bucket on it, and it cleans it for you. It's like um, it's like a giant I'm, version of, of a thing. At home. You know, behind the bar, like uh, behind a bar, you have a. Glass. Oh, you put the glass and it it's whooshes like, and bucket. It's like a giant yeah. version of that. <laughs> if I could have bought one, I would have bought it. No one makes it. Well, no, you're not going to find that on aisle seven and Buddings, are you? No, no, you couldn't no. do it. Um, now that high pitched noise in the background, yep. listeners, is a massive air compressor, and so. That supplies um, three of our factories yep. with compressed wow. air. So we've got them all linked together Goodness on this me. side. Yeah, right. So we've got one big compressor uh, supplying all of them. And that, that's so what we're looking at in the corner there underneath the stairs? That's the holding tank and this, this big orange that's beast right here. Wow. That's the That is a beast, itself. isn't it? Why, wow, goodness. Um, so if we walk down here, you can see we've got castings. These were popped out this morning. Okay. Um, so these were made yesterday. With a big number three on the side big of them. So what does three, the three well, mean? So we got one, two, and three. Those are the shells. Okay. They're each numbered mm -hmm. because each part is actually unique. So, so they're all molds, different shapes. These molds, only slightly, they're very similar, but the tongue and groove join on the sides is something that I made. Like it was CNC cut, but then it was finished by hand. Was it? Right? And so Gosh. each mold has a, has. Very slight differences. Yep. And so part of the instruction of building a, D, a P85 is you're going to set down your front casting, that big piece there, and then you're going to get your number one shell. And that starts on the left-hand okay, side. And, and right. you work your way around. So I'm just having a look. Close-up view so of these. On the outside. They're gorgeous, aren't they? On the outside. The, oh. You say they're gorgeous. They're horrible. Oh, they're on gorgeous. the outside, they look like a moon. On the inside, oh, look they're gorgeous. That. that is incredibly and that's smooth. Vibrating. That's that, what you That's get. what it does, so, yeah? so you see the outside of the mould. So this would have been the top. Yep. And all the bubbles have come to the surface, uh, okay, and so then some of them have little accumulated crates, here. Like, little like crates. on top of the moon. It, it looks like the moon, but on the inside, which would be the that bottom of the part, and that's that's the part that you end up seeing when the oven's finished. Perfect. Yeah. Smooth, and that's Gorgeous. the vibration. And and like, if you're ever wondering if a part's been made with vibration, just look at the surface, and if it's full of pock marks and, and little holes. Yep then it's probably just been troweled on over a mould. Okay. It is much easier to make a single part mould and trowel the castable over the top. Okay, right. What's much harder is making a two-part mould and vibrating it. it is, but it's a better part. Yeah, yeah. It's a, be it's a much better part. Um, but, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the, uh, the the heat retention property. So next door to this this oven, we've got uh, one of the one of your bricks. Yep. Right, so my D105 is fully built with these. Yes. What we're looking at here is is, is 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 obviously visually a very different product. Yes. Tell me about the heat properties of the of the brick versus the concrete. Sure. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a terrific question because I think a lot of the time people think ah uh, a cast a cast product is inferior somehow, right? It's not as good. Um, and so the if you look at fire brick and again the best I guess example or way of understanding fire brick versus refractory castable is comparing uh, normal bricks that you build a house with yeah. with concrete that okay. you would pave your driveway with. Mm -hmm. They have some very similar properties, yeah. right? Uh, once concrete sets, 
it's as strong as brick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're just different. Yeah. So, okay. so, so castable is is very similar. It has very similar properties to a fire brick. So once castable sets, yeah, it has very similar density. Yep. Very similar thermal conductivity. Right. Uh, and and in the case of our castable, very similar compressive strength. Right. right? So, the the difference is it's like a it's called in refractory circles it would be called like a molded cast, yeah. a molded refractory or unshaped refractory. So they say, or a brick, that's a shaped refractory. It okay. comes to you in a finished shape. Yep, gotcha. Castable is an unshaped refractory. It okay. still has all those refractory properties. Yep. It's just, you can shape it how you like. Okay. Mix it up and pour it into a mould. Gotcha. Now, one of the things to be aware of is, in terms of the quality, castable is five times more expensive than fire brick. Seriously? And people, I don't think people would have really? expected that. This it is, is right. so expensive because it's a very, it's a complex material. Uh, it, and not to say that firebrick is cheap. Firebrick's expensive, but castable, even before you add the labour required, yeah. molds and all that yeah. stuff, it, it's, 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 just it's more much expensive. more, it's orders of magnitude more expensive than firebrick um, because it is still quite a high-tech material. Okay. Um, and so the difference with our precast oven compared to the brick oven, and we've done a whole video on this. Yeah. The, one of the big differences, if you're just looking at sort of physical, um, the castings, let's say, your, the wall of your oven is 115 millimetres or four and a half inches yep. for your American yeah. Freedom Unit. Well, well done, very good. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Is four and a half inches of fire brick. Yep. Right? Whereas the precast oven, you can see the castings, oh, yeah, right. the shells are 65 mil. Yeah, it's quite a difference, isn't it? And the idea there is we're making, I could have made them 115 mil thick, but then they would take a huge amount of time to heat up. And what we were aiming for with the P85 was to make a smaller oven yeah. that could heat up more quickly. quickly. Mm-hmm. And and so the, the P85 takes an hour and 15 minutes to get to 400 Celsius, 750 Fahrenheit, whereas the D105 mm-hmm. takes two and a half hours to do the same thing. Yep, okay. And the reason, the, the reason is you're heating up less material okay. in the P85. It's not that castable heats up faster. Yeah. It's, it's just, just less, less of it. it. Does that affect the retained heat properties on day two? It does, yeah. absolutely. And and so if you look at your D105, yeah. uh, your oven, to cool from, say, 400 Celsius down to 70 Celsius, yeah. uh, it's going to take around 72 hours to do that with yeah. the door in and yeah. the fire yeah, out. That's amazing. I love this. And, yeah. and, and, and I love it too. Like, oh, uh, so the P85, yeah. while it's, so it's got this quicker heat up time, mm. the payoff or the, sorry, the, the trade-off is a quicker cool down time. So okay. it's taking 36 hours to cool down. Yeah, but, but that's, only an hour and f- Which is still a long that's time. That's pretty reasonable, though. Right? I mean, yeah, you're, still, yeah. you're still day two retaining oh, heat cooking without you're baking a the following day. Oh, yeah, yeah. no problem. Absolutely. But, uh, and so it's, it's something that we often put to customers that we say, yes, the D105 has that epic 72-hour cool down. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to use it? Yeah, yeah. If you're going to use it... Oh, hell yes. Awesome, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But if you're if you're only going to fire it up on a Friday yeah. and cook pizza, yeah. do you do you need yeah. the D105? Yeah. Um, maybe you'd be better off with the P85 yeah. because you're not going to be wasting all this beautiful residual yeah, heat. That's right. Uh, and I could... I don't know. Look, uh, there, I've had I've had a couple of guys uh, reach out and uh, they've got smaller ovens, not manufactured by yourself, and they don't have any retained heat properties. So they yes. haven't they haven't learned that, um, I guess, that skill set or the, the additional benefits of having these very thick walls on an oven. And that's yep. fine. That it wasn't a consideration for these folks when they bought their oven. No, no problems at all. I guess one of the advantages of this style of oven is that... Out of one firing, you've got enough heat 
for at least two days. Yes. And it's uh, the versatility it's, of it it's, is, is it's, quite it's, something. And it's, it's a very different way of, of cooking, say, compared yeah. to what I would call a direct heat oven. Yep. So those the, the ovens say they're a metal, yeah. a metal box, yeah. so stainless steel lined, yeah. very pretty. Yeah. And they and their claim will be they'll heat up in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Sure. And, and they probably will. Yeah. But you're cooking from the direct heat yes. of the fire. Sure. So if the fire flares up, yep. everything... Yep. Burns. Yep, yep. Uh, if the fire dies down, yep. nothing happens. Yep. You, your heat drops away almost yeah, instantly. Sure. Yep. Whereas what we're making is more of a traditional yes. wood-fired oven, yep. which is designed to take some time to heat up. You heat up this thermal mass, mm. and you've talked about this in your previous yeah, episodes. We have. Um, yeah. You know, you're heating up this thermal mass, and then you're actually cooking from the heat that's retained in yes. that mass. Even when you're doing live fire cooking, yeah. oh, this absolutely. is the thing. Yeah. Even when you're doing live fire cooking, you're still using the heat that's in the thermal yeah. mass. Yeah. Um, and it's being added to by that additional radiant heat. Yeah. What's my, my wife, Kate, is walking up with a bag. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> She's saying cut. Cut. I refuse cut. to cut. Oh, no, this is this We're rolling. 100% live. What's, What's in the bag? <laughs> oh, let's that's go. very kind of you. Shall we go and sit down and eat? Let, let's go do that. <laughs> Thank you. If you're enjoying this episode... Sign up online at woodfiredoven.cooking and receive our free wood-fired oven resource pack. Follow Mark on Instagram at marks underscore wood-fired oven for recipes, tips and techniques to supercharge your fire cooking skills. Join our Wood-Fired Oven Chronicles Facebook group and meet some amazing fire cooking enthusiasts. Okay, back to the show. we're in here this is the third one that we took on and uh, this is where we pack our P85 kits okay uh, so we we, made, we do all the casting of them out the back yep and then the castings come in yep and we have a nice assembly line and we finish them off we turn them into a kit ready so we put all the additional things on yep. so the castings is, is just only like not even a half of the kit you've right. got all the insulation you've got the fire bricks you've got the blanket, the the mortars, yep. all of those additional things. Lots in it. Yep. Lots in it. So they get turned into a complete kit and then they come out of here and they head down to the factory we were in before where we had all those standard kits packed on the racks yep. ready for customers to order. Gotcha. So, okay. So that's what we do in this factory. This is this is That's our primary use is just packing P85s. Again... When we when I started, it was like everything in one space. Yeah, you did everything, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, now we can afford, thankfully, to and pretty much have to have dedicated areas to do each thing. So, for example, with packing a P eighty five, you don't have to walk twenty meters to get no, a brick. No, it's great. It's it's right there. It's all like here. everything's there in arm's reach. You've got work cells effectively that uh, that all the packing is done in. So I'm looking across uh, to a uh, a shelf with. I don't know, maybe 50 boxes of ceramic fibre blankets. Uh-huh. Now, yep. I'm pretty sure mine came with that. Yes. What does that product do with my oven? Okay. Why so do I need that? That's an insulation material okay. to keep the heat in the thermal mass. So in your case, you have the D105 brick oven. So your thermal mass is that four and a half inches of refractory brick. Mm. So we're heating up all of that brick, and that heat is what's actually cooking the food. Yep. The blanket is what keeps the heat in the brick. Okay. So ceramic fibre blanket is a high temperature insulation material. It's it's soft, it's pliable. Yeah. So we can well, actually... It's easy to apply. I think yeah. we used... Was, uh, was chicken wire, didn't we put it on yeah, the outside so, so of it? You, you Something like the, that? Yeah, yeah, you wrap the blanket around your dome. So you've got your brick dome, you wrap the blanket around yeah. it. Um, 
and uh, and then you actually hold it in place yeah. with the chicken wire and the tie wire that's part of the kit. Yeah. Mm. Um, the chicken wire does it does hold down the blanket a bit. Yep. It's the tie wire does most of yep. that. But then the chicken wire gives you reinforcing for your perlite render. That's right. It yes. provided a bit of a key to, to apply. Be very difficult to apply. Oh, with, without without again, it would be like having concrete without reinforcing. Yeah, right. It's got no tensile no. strength. Yeah. So the the chicken wire um, gives you that tensile strength in your perlite render, yeah, gotcha. which is which right. is critical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. All yeah, right. So you see lots more. Oh, I mean, there's just. I mean, this is double deep racking. So I think we have something like 150 pallet spaces in this room. Um, and so we have a, you know, That's double huge. deep reach forklift. Again, Grey's Online. Oh, is that right? Three and a half really? grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. So it's brand new is like $80,000. You're joking. We can't afford it. Yeah, so oh, my God. I'm, I'm not spending $80,000 on oh, no. So, So anyway... Grey's online, guys. Check it out. That's the one thing that will come out of this this podcast is <laughs> Grey's online users will spike. They will. Um, Go graysonline.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we're, we're basically trying to keep everything we need nice and close. Um, so we've got – remember being up on that mezzanine? We had, yeah. We had yeah. like these door boxes. So we had pallets and pallets of those. But we keep two pallets down here, okay. so that the team always yeah, have to, enough. To, to pack and then a full we can restock it, this yeah. as soon as we get through the first pallet. We pull the pallet okay. behind it forward. Yeah, right. But then we know ah, we need to restock yeah, that, bring great. down another pallet. So okay. just keeping the whole thing. So flying. this looks pretty full to me. Can you see a day sometime soon where this is just is not going to be enough space for you? It's I mean, already not enough space. Okay. No, no. This thing right now, and we haven't even gone through the other four factories. <laughs> um, it, like we've actually, we've actually had to take on third party warehousing in a, like just like 20 kilometers away. Really? You have Keysborough and we've got 120 pallets in storage there. Have you? Really? Yeah. We just, okay. it's, well, part, and part of the reason for that is the sheer amount of stock that we need to keep as a buffer yeah. in these uncertain Certain times. And I swear, if, someone's, oh. if you say unprecedented, oh, yeah. I will slap you. Okay? Um, no. Well, yeah. Uh, but that's right. Uh, uh, but but, but, uh, yeah. but it, it is like we, we have to keep yeah. so much stock because we don't know uh, if there'll be shipping delays. Yeah. Or, and, and, uh, and again, it makes a lot of sense. It gives you a, a good buffer for your production correct. line. Yeah. But it just it requires a huge amount of, of um, space. And and it just and it ties up a whole lot of money. Yeah, so it's, of it is something that yeah. has to be managed really carefully. Yeah, so. sure. Yeah, but okay. no, it's, um, it, we've already run out of space. Uh, and whenever what are these fire rings retail for? These ones, uh, I can't remember actually off the top of my head. Um, I think they're around two thousand five hundred dollars, yeah. oh, including a base plate. Oh, the, actually, one of the most expensive parts of it is the bowl. Is it? It's a three millimeter thick stainless steel bowl yeah. made in Lilydale. Right, just really? nearby, so um, okay. part of Victoria, yeah. and uh, it's 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 an expensive part to make. Yeah, sure. and, and look, I could probably like import them in bulk and maybe pay I don't know half of that. Yeah, but I would prefer to keep as much manufacturing as I can here. Yeah, and there was a company nice. that could make them. And I said, mm. "Fantastic, you make them, mm. great." Um, so they they are they're, they're not the fire pits. Never going to be a cheap product, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. but. They are very, what very beautiful. What a presence. Beautiful. I mean, yeah. you know, I've only seen them online a year or two back and in front of it, it's what's the diameter? It's 1.3 metres yeah, external. Huge. It's yeah, huge. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's, it's, it is, it's just nice to sit around oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and it looks good. Here's the thing. The reason I developed it, if we want to talk about the fire pits. Yeah, let's do it. There's lots of fire Which pits are no out longer there. Why do we need another fire yeah. pit? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Why are we talking about it? Hang on. No, no, Get I, hold of Ben. There's about six here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with fire pits, that there's a couple of things that bug me about most fire pits that I see. One is they're made out of core 10 steel. Okay. Core 10 is amazing material. So it's it's basically 
shipping containers made of corten. Oh, okay. Um, you see those rusty panels on the side of uh, freeways, often yes. architectural features. Yes. It's rust finish. Yep. That's corten. It's lovely, actually. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, I, I actually really like yeah. it. And corten steel is designed, it builds up a passive layer of rust that actually protects the steel underneath yeah. it. Okay. Right? What happens, though, if you burn off that layer of rust? Okay. You expose the next layer yeah, of steel and, okay. and it keeps going. And so okay. they burn out. You burn uh, through them. Right. And you can have it thick. I mean, you can have a 10 mil core 10 bowl, and if you use it regularly, you will, will burn it out. eventually burn oh, through interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Whereas stainless is just there forever. Yeah. It will discolor, it'll go lovely purples and yellows and stuff. But it won't degrade. It won't degrade. It won't degrade. So that was one of the things. But the other thing is most fire pits are kind of, they're not that exciting when they don't have a fire. Yeah, pit. right. Yeah. Um, they're kind of a little bit boring. And. Mm. Um, I, I really like the idea of having a suspended fire pit. Mm. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's that's why we developed them. But we should stop talking about them because We people, should, because people, you, don't, you don't sell them anymore, well, do you? Well, not for the time no, being. No, just, come on. We've got to... Oh. Well, you're clearly not busy well, enough, I mean, we, we, the same thing. We used to make uh, these beautiful charcoal grills. You did. Like heavily insulated. I, I was going to buy one. Stainless. I was going to buy one and yeah. then you stopped selling them. Well, yeah. they were like really commercial. Yeah. Uh, and and we, we sold quite a few. We've actually had two inquiries in two days for them. <laughs> um, and we're like, oh, man. But again, it was, it was that whole thing of, all right, what's our available capacity in terms of what we can make? Yeah. Um, what do we need to focus on? Yeah. Let's make sure we don't spread ourselves too thin. Yeah. And so we said, all right, we're going to shelve those for the time being. Mm-hmm. And we're going to ramp focus up on this stuff ramp and, this up, yeah, and, and then, um, and then we can we can always look at doing them again. Yeah, yeah. But so now so we've walked across the road from your main office, and it's it's quite cool, it's a bit, bit, a bit chilly, chilly. But we're walking into another warehousing space now. Mm-hmm. Okay, what have we got here? My well, gosh, it's huge. It's, again, it's packed to the rafters, isn't it? <laughs> it um, is. Oh my gosh. Uh, left and right. So this is one of our smaller factories, about 170 square meters. And <laughs> I don't know. It's not that small. Americans. <laughs> I don't know what that is in square feet. Don't ask. <laughs> it's um, huge. Okay, it's big huge. enough. And so this is where we pack our brick ovens. And so we actually have two factories yep. for packing the brick ovens. Okay. So we do the first stage um, next door. We pack the first stage. I don't know why I walked you into this factory first. But that's okay. That it was smart. really handy. That's um, right. uh, this is where we bring – well, let's go in. Let's just jump okay. next door. All right. Let's, we'll let's, next door. let's go backwards. All right. This is where I should have taken you. <laughs> um, so Sam here is packing hey, Sam. a D105. Ah, uh, it's my baby. Uh, so this is a domestic D105. Uh, so this is going to go somewhere in Australia, and Sam is presumably working very hard. Oh, it looks gorgeous, Sam. Yeah. Hi, how are you, Sam? I'm very well, Welcome thank to you. the podcast. Great to be and here. Hey, good stuff. What's your role here, Sam? Um, so I'm a factory hand. Yes. So I do everything from you know doing the pours to putting bricks on kits to cutting bricks to welding oh. to just about everything really. So a jack of all trades, eh? Jack of all He's trades. got a beautiful yeah. voice too. He does, doesn't he? He thank does. You. He really yeah, does. Flattering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, so we um so so this is where we we pack the brick oven kids, and you can imagine. I'm just looking at the, mine didn't come stamped with this nice oh, blue little. This sign. is a nice little addition. This is, this, that we've I'm looking. We've done we're looking at a whole bunch of bricks here with, uh, and they've got type two the little your logo. Well, one, of, one of the things that again we're always looking. at, all right, how can we improve? Mm. So one of the things we'll we'll go and find some of those bricks. One of the things we were finding was people were placing the type two bricks upside down uh-huh. in their trammel tool. And I was thinking, all right, how can I, like, mm. how can I show them how to get that right every single time? And I, I did all these 3D models and drawings and, and tried to do it so I could put it in the written instructions. And and then I thought, well, wait a second, how about we just get a label stamped on the back of every brick? Yeah. Uh, and so, you so know, now you know which up way up it goes yeah, yeah. and which brick you do. That's with. a nice, simple, yeah. inexpensive solution. Correct. Well, correct. well, yeah, we're trying. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so we've got um, pallets and pallets of fire bricks in here. 
And again, it's that whole like production line where you start here. You I just gra- love you refractory bricks. I really there's something about them. Yeah. You, 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 you grab oh, you grab your pallet, your your um, stack of pallets. Um, so you want it to be at a nice waist height. We don't want yeah, people right. leaning over down yeah. the ground. Yeah, right. uh, and you bring it over and you grab your you know the right amount of type one bricks. And these you'll find these are on uh, these spring loaded stands. So as you take layers of brick off. It brings it up. Oh, that's so smart. you're not bending over. Oh, well, genius. Just one of the biggest. So safety is massive. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Uh, Marcus and I probably spend about a third of our time just on safety <clears throat> elements because yeah. stuff's heavy. Everything he- in everything's your heavy. factories are heavy. Well, yeah, and you're dealing with so you're dealing with like muscle strain, but yeah. also RSI. Yeah, right. Uh, so repetitive strain injury. So we're full on about that. Where so Sam will come and pack bricks, mm. but he'll only do that for maybe two and a half hours. And then he'll move on to something completely different yeah, yeah. so that he's using different muscles and we're not um, running that risk of yeah. like, oh, a, a wrist injury yeah. or, or so, you yeah. know, elbows getting sore, things like that. Because unfortunately, <clears throat> they are, they're, they're a heavy thing. Bricks yeah, are heavy. Are. Uh, if I sold toothbrushes or something, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't easier, have to worry. Frankly, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they, they come through here. We've got electric pallet jacks. Um, so uh, all the... Um, Again, we're trying to keep the the manual handling to a minimum. Yeah. Uh, so they, everything is moved around with electric pallet checks, and they just move. Is this from Grace. Blow around. Grace that was on Grace. Grace. Yes. Hold <laughs> well on. I'm telling you, I, oh, I wasn't Grace. lying to you at the start. <laughs> Grace Online has supplied so many things in this place. Um, these, these stamps, though, what a yes. good idea. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, yeah. a really simple. Well, and honestly, this, solution this done was well. one of the things that our tyre supplier suggested um, was, uh, and, and they're the third largest company in Thailand. Are they? Massive company. Really? And so they've got just, they've got whole R&D and quality departments. Yeah. And it's, we visited them Did and you? it was just amazing. Oh, oh a, that's cool. a whole other story. That's but, awesome. Um, but, but they're yeah, great to deal with, eh? Really, really, really deal fan- with. Fantastic. fantastic. Great. Um, so fantastic quality, great service um, and just fun. And it's a place I like to visit. So. Oh, Thailand's so good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Isn't it? yeah. Right. Um, so, so we go out of here, we packed all the bricks onto the pallet. Um, and again, we used to do all of this in one space, yep. but it was very congested uh, and just it, it just felt like you were sort of tripping over each other. Yeah. So we come out of here with all the bricks and we move into, so we're leaving that factory and we're just walking next door, like five metres. And here okay. we are. And well, another where, huge factory. This is where we finish the kit off. So as Sam is demonstrating for us here. <laughs> all right, so we've got this Sam, T105. You're doing a great job there, Sam. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, so he's just finishing this kit off. And so all the other components, again, they're all lined up. They're all here, ready to go. So he just takes, grab that, you know, the formwork. Oh, recognize that, that too. On. And there's 3D models of everything. So when it comes to packing it, it's not like, oh, pack it however you like, Sam. You've probably got a good idea uh, today. okay. Do we have those around, Sam? Um, so you've, you've worked out. Here. Okay. So, so everything is specified. So particularly when someone's just starting. Like, Sam doesn't need to yeah. look at this anymore. No. Do you, Sam? It's great. Nope. All over it. So right? everything in your company is systematised, though, but that's great, you know? Would, no, no, I would okay. say, Mo- I, I wish it was all systematised. It's an evolution. But the things that we're doing a lot of, yes. Mm. Uh, like the casting process, mm. that, that's had, you know, 17 revisions of the process. <laughs> and everything's, like, finely tuned. And there's a role, you know, like, role one, they're on the mixer. Yeah. They're responsible to do X, Y, Z. Yep. And then role two, they're, you know, they have a different, mm. you know, different jobs and they have to do them at different times. Yeah. And it's all very – we've tried to make the processes easy to follow so that we can get someone on yep. who's never had any experience yep. in this stuff 
maybe never even worked in a factory yeah, before. Yeah, that's great. And, um, and we can say, all right, we're going to get you to pack D95 kits today. Brilliant. This is the process. Yep. We're going to start you on the bricks. Yep. Once we've seen that you're good at that, mm -hmm. then we can move you on to the next stage and so on. Um, yeah, that's fun. So Marcus, I, I, I can't take I'm, too I'm much credit. Marcus, no, Marcus, well Marcus has driven huge amount of this. No, that's great. I mean, I want to take credit. In the end, I guess I get the credit. No, 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 no that's no, your no. company, right? No, Mar so. but Marcus, <laughs> Marcus has, has just put in so much time and effort into improving our processes and yeah. recording them. Yep, yep. So I sort of had the processes in place. Yep. But there was no recording of them. Yeah, right. Uh, and so Marcus has taken that on as a project and gone. So I'm with gonna, your I'm systems and processes, do you have a a system whereby you uh, periodically sit down and look through all your systems and uh, and update them? Is it a six monthly we, process? We a yearly the, process? That's that's done. To be honest, co like constantly. Yeah, so we constantly yeah. we we're looking at. Um, say the casting process and we're, we're always looking all right how can we improve that process so yeah. just the other day one of the guys was saying look the blades of terror that cut the bottom of the bag <laughs> oh yeah they're you know, terrible like, they're, they're, they're not they're not um, you know we need them to cut the bag like slightly further because a little pocket of casting is oh, getting stuck yeah, right. so we get that feedback and we go alright well how can we then improve the process yeah, maybe right. it's a change to mm. uh, the system yep. the blades yep. or maybe it's a change to the way they're lowering it on yeah, or something right. like that okay. so, oh very interesting so we're outside our second last factory, um, and in here, this is This our, looks different. It is different. Oh. Well, we, this, again, completely packed, literally to the rafters. It is um, too. And this is our dispatch area. Okay. So we take our standard kit from over there. Yep. We finish it off. Yep. So we put all your extras in. Yep. Um, we put your name on it, all your details, and we bring it over here and put it on the rack ready to be picked up by a truck. Now, that's the domestic one. I was about that. to say, mine didn't come in a nice uh, wooden box a bin. wooden crate. This, Aren't this, they beautiful? This, they are gorgeous. I though. love the crates. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're so, they're so neat. They are. Um, so Do you build them? Well, that's a good question. Thank so you. currently, we have a, lo a local manufacturer making these crates for us. That's beautiful. At a phenomenal cost. Right, yeah. one crate, straight up, cost $232 oh, plus GST for a just for the packaging. Really? Yeah. Well, they, okay. And it's going up. And it continues oh, to go up. man, alive. Now, what you might not have noticed next door is there were pallets and pallets of plywood up on the yeah. racking. But what we're seeing here is you're seeing stacks of oven kits, and these are destined for America. Yep. Okay. So these are our export kits. Okay. Now, we could pack our domestic ovens, so Australian-bound ovens mm -hmm. could go into these wooden crates. They mm -hmm. fit, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But there would be this cost associated where – um, you're paying for this wooden crate. Yeah. So I'd have to jack up the cost of, of the kit. Whereas we're, we're putting where the domestic <clears throat> kits go onto a heavy-duty pallet and then it's strapped and shrink-wrapped. Yeah. And, they, and they get to all of our customers in one piece yep. And we haven't had any problems like that at yeah. all. Yeah. But yeah. these are going on a ship, right? These are going on a ship and then they're going thousands of kilometres yeah. across America. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we need to know mm -hmm. that they're not going to tear the wrap or something on that journey. There's just too many too many exchanges where yeah. oh, it gets taken out of a container, oh, then yeah. it gets put on a truck, then it gets oh, taken yeah. off the truck and put in a warehouse Some and, forklift and so on. will go through the side of it Correct. after the, the Whereas, 12th forklift. Yeah. With, with our shipments around Australia, yeah. we put it on a truck, that'll go to a central warehouse, yep. uh, say in Melbourne, and then it will go directly to Brisbane yep. it, mm. it, and won't have three changeovers in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, these crates are... They're expensive, but they are necessary. And boy, do they guy, look good. They look good, though. I had a customer. Wow. Um, it was, I think, it was yesterday. He called and he said, "I've got all this plywood left over from the crate because it's CNC machined plywood. Is it that locks together? It's got these metal clips that lock it together. It's very clever." 
and um, I can't take credit. Flips. I can't take credit for the design. Oh, look at that! Um, so LJB are our um, crate manufacturers. Fantastic! And these just snap on. Do they? All, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's amazing. So there's no nails. Really? Uh, we don't have to. We used to use nail guns, and you know, you had to wear hearing protection oh, yeah. and, and uh, yeah. like you know, safety glasses yeah. in, in the factory because there could be a nail flying around. But now we just have these clips, and you just go donk. And they just great, they just lock on, and it's nice and easy for the customer at the other end to correct. Just they just the get a screwdriver and just go pop, and off they come. Uh, so they they are really cool, but yeah, they get left with all this plywood, and yeah. they're like, "Man, plywood's like a hundred dollars a sheet. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with this." <laughs> Hang uh, on to it. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, it's nice, and we've seen some pretty cool things that they've done with them, like oh, they nice. made chicken coops and cubbies. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah, anyway. Oh, that's great. Um, good solution. Yeah, really good solution. Yeah. So we move in here now. This is. I used to have that office where, where? Our, where our reception is with the oh. lovely stone wall. Well, I've just had this gorgeous burger that your lovely wife just provided us. That's where we had our lunch. That was a nice it's burger. It's a nice place to sit, right? It's a lovely place. So that was your office? That was my office um, when I was doing all the sales. Yeah. And then Jeremy's come on board and he's taking care of sales and customer support. And so that's his office now. So I've been relegated to this area. <laughs> now I say relegated, I like it in here. Right? This is my this little is your room. space. This is Ben's spot. This is Ben's, oh, hang on, Ben's little room. Um, it's not a regular office, though, to be fair, is it? There is a, you know, I've got my desk in the oh, corner Oh, you here. have too. Um, and uh, you, you got your photocopier there. And got, is every, that your car and the That's picture? a friend's car that friend's nearly car. got swallowed up by a lake. And then oh. it's got some photos of adventures that I've been on. Are you but, a bit of a photographer, Ben? No, this was actually, I had taken I took that photo there. Gorgeous. But the other ones were taken by a chap I was diving with. This is oh, scuba, neat. Scuba oh, neat. A gorgeous I Actually, photos. I took that one as well. Did that's, you? Uh, yeah, that's a big cave in, um, in Vietnam. Oh, but what's behind us is much more interesting. Well, that is huge. Okay, so we're looking at a massive machine here. Mm. It's huge. What is it? Okay, so it is a gantry router, but it's a, it's a CNC milling machine. Okay. Okay, and um, and you may notice the sticker on it. <coughs> <laughs> Don't graze online. Let's just have to guess. Graze online. And so basically, this is the reverse of a three D printer. So you draw up a three D part in CAD. Yep. And then you put a block of let's say uh, plastic yep. on this, and you lock it onto the table. Yep. And then you can create in in CAD in the program. You can create a toolpath, and that is it will machine your part out of that block of plastic. It'll pick up, so you see all those yes. terrifying so looking tools? Yes. It'll pick up one of those tools gotcha. that you've told it. You yep. said, I want you to grab tool number 19, okay. which is like a 10 mil end mil, yep. something like that, or a, a fly cutter or something. And then it will come and it'll run a CNC controlled path okay. and cut out the and part cut. for you. Okay. So the idea of this machine is to actually help us, it's going to do a few things. Yeah. One of the things is it's going to help us um, develop new Products. So if I decide oh, I want to make, for example, something that everyone's been asking for is a bigger precast oven, right? Okay. The P115. Maybe. The P115. That's a real mouthful. I don't know. Oof. We might have to give that one a yeah. name. Like Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, Velociraptor. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll, um, I'll be able to machine the moulds out okay. of this. So the masters, before we start taking fibreglass parts, um, we can start here. Gotcha. Uh, and I can I can make them with this machine. So I can oh. I'll run you a little program. Um, so we're on here. So I'm going to tell the machine to bring us. I'm going to fifty percent rapids, and I'm going to tell the machine to bring us tool number nine. Okay. All right. So look at it. Oh my gosh, it's moved. It is terrifying. So the tools are spinning around. It's the machine selecting a particular tool which you've just selected. 
Oh wow, that's incredible. Hello. And so that's that's just a tiny little yeah, little program. Right. Okay. Um, and that's that's just one I use for change, um, measuring tools. So I can bring okay. them over and I can touch them off on this probe. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's fun. Okay. So going forward, molds. That's where you think most of the use. This, might be well, that's in? one use for it. Is making new new mold masters. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if I decide, oh, I'm going to make this new precast component, yeah. I need to start with a shape. Yep. And look, to be honest, when I made the very first flu gallery, yeah. how did I make the first one? I didn't have this thing. Mm. Um, what I did was I started off with a massive block of plaster. Oh, did you? I cast a block of plaster in the very rough shape that I was after. Okay. It was very angular. Yeah. It was really rough. And then I got an angle grinder and a sanding disc <laughs> and I sanded it for about three weeks. Did you? Really? To get the shape. It took Is me ages. Right? And I, so I made the part that I was after out of plaster. Okay. Um, but I did it all very manually. Yeah. Like all the... You know, shaping was all done by little old Ben hanging off the back of an angle grinder with dust going everywhere. So that's like so, your mother mould. That, that's like your mother yeah, uh, master. It, and then everything is, is, is duplicated off the same correct, thing. Correct. So if you get that wrong, everything, everything that follows everything, is going to be wrong. Follows. So you've got to get that right. And that's yeah. why it takes a, a tremendously long period of time to go from an idea mm. of like, oh, you know, people mm. are like, why don't you make a bigger precast oven? Mm. Because it takes ages. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, like it, it, it really is a huge investment in time mm. um, to make those parts. But we, I love it. Mm. And honestly, if you said, Ben, everything else is being taken care of. Canada is being sorted. Yeah, you don't need that's to do right. No. I, would, I would happily just be playing yeah, on this machine yeah, all day. Yeah, great. So anyway. anyway um, all right, very so, good. So, and, and then, but the other thing we can do with it is we can make those plywood cases. So we, ah, we love the guys okay. at LJB. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, we're, we're bringing in our own plywood from Thailand. Okay. Uh, and we're going to be machining. I'd buy it Australian made, yeah. but the, we don't make we don't make crate quality plywood. Really? We make super high quality plywood for acoustic linings mm -hmm. and, and architectural finishes. Yeah. But if I was to make a crate out of that, it might cost a thousand bucks. So so right. we're um. So you're having to import that. We're, we're importing that okay. not because I want to, um, but because Thailand they've got fantastic quality assurance mm. processes, mm. lovely people. Yeah. Anyway, so great. we're going to be making our own crates Well, that's soon. exciting. Yeah, yeah so that's great. fun. All right, very and good. And we've got another, look, there's the one in the background there, much older. Uh, this one Kind of looks similar to this thing. other big beast It's here. another milling machine. Yeah. I'm semi-addicted to milling machines. Yes, it looks like this it. One it's in your office. This one will do steel. Okay. So this one is designed for wood and plastics, uh, foam, things like that. Yeah. This one here it can mill steel. Okay. So I could put a big block of steel or aluminium in the vise and run a tool path and cut out, cut that out. Right. So that's, okay. I haven't done a lot of that yet. But again, very excited to do yeah, it. And once again, you'll see the sticker. Crazy online. And that's that's the, the the sort of the big daddy of all of them, the old the that's old one, me. which is the the manual mill. Um, and so I use that for machining bits and pieces. As you can see, I do love tools. You do love tools, and you like tools in your office. I do. Which is kind of cool. I will move my office. It is, it is kind of cool. Once this thing starts machining plywood and there's dust just everywhere, I will probably move my office. Yeah, it's almost more exciting than in my office. It's, <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah, very cool. All right. All right. Um, so upstairs, loads of storage up there, but where I'll take you now is our last factory. Okay. <laughs> so um, how many have we been in already? Six. Just to, so this, okay, my goodness. They're not, and look, they're not, for, for the listeners, like, they're not like these huge places. Um, they're, they're relatively small uh, factories, I would say. But, but all squished um, together, you've got a fair well, amount of floor space. And I, I think a question that I get all the time is people, you know, I show people around and they say, oh, why don't you get one big factory? <laughs> Put it all under one roof. And, and look, they're, like, they're, um, 
It's a good question. Like, mm. Why not? Mm. Um, and there's a couple of reasons I haven't done that. Firstly, like you've sort of noticed, it's been a very incremental process. Yeah. Um, it's taken, what is it, 11 years yeah. to, to reach this point. Mm. But um, the other thing about it, yeah, like, so, so yeah, to just jump into a big factory right from the start, it's just not, not no. feasible. No, it's not. But if things change, so right now we're selling a ferocious amount of ovens, but if things were to change and maybe sales slow down, yeah, yeah. well, if you've got one big factory, you are stuck with you it. You are stuffed. Um, whereas if you've got smaller factories, ah, you can let one go. Yes, you could. Yeah. Ah, that's um, and, uh And so you've got sort of a bit of flexibility. Yeah, right. Where you can say, you know what, this that's seventh right. factory here yeah, is nice, you. but yeah, that's great. we can save that money if yeah. we had to. Yeah, gotcha. Thankfully, we've never had to do that. That's good. But I'm not so... Um, I don't know. Uh, proud is to say, well, that, that would never happen to us. So we've walked into the sixth factory now. This is the seventh. This, this, this is the seventh. Sorry, this is the seventh. Seventh and final. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, so this factory, <laughs> you mentioned we worked in that first, we walked into that work shop and you said, oh, look at that table. Look at the size of that table. <laughs> oh, look at that table. That's, that's, the, that's the welding that's table here. That's the, so, the mother of all tables. Yes. So this is our jigging table for welding. Okay. Um, it actually came off a giant milling machine, so it's got a dead flat cast iron surface, oh, has it? Oh, uh, which doesn't so welding spatter doesn't stick to it. Ah, gotcha. And we can set things out really accurately. So this is where we make all our oven stands. So we can we can make our steel frames yep. for the precast oven. Gotcha. We do that in here. Um, do, you yeah. make, do you make uh, steel stands for for the brick ovens? We don't. The reason being, the the oven has to be built on a reinforced concrete bench top. Gotcha. And for the for the brick for the brick ovens, and that in itself weighs over a ton. And then yep. you have the weight of the oven. That's right. So all of a sudden, you're you're looking at over two tons mm -hmm. that you're supporting. And to do that on a steel frame, it can be done. The oven that's out the front, the D105 out the front of the showroom, yep. it's on a steel frame. Okay, is it? Yeah, yeah but it's a phenomenally he heavy duty. Like yeah, it's wild. Right. Yeah, Big sure. heavy legs on it. I think mm. there's probably about 300 kilos in the s of steel in the stand. Is there? So to make it, to actually make it and sell them it, would just it, be not Make practical. it viable. It's not really viable. It, it, no. I, I encourage people who think about building a brick oven, even if you're thinking we might move out of here one day, build it in place on a concrete stand, mm -hmm. you know, and to sell it with the house. Oh, absolutely. And then build and, another and one. Look, that's exactly what my wife and I did when we, we, we said, oh, should we get a smaller one? Should we take it with us if we're ever to move? I don't really want to move. And B, uh, it would be a great fixture to sell with the house. No question about yeah. it. We, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. So, so yeah, well, this is where we do a lot of our welding. Now, this, again, this will actually move quite soon. We're going to move all the welding out to the back of our original factory. Yeah. We've got a lot yeah. of space there. So yeah. we get, I, I think it's one of... You were asking before about like, do you often look at your processes and reassess mm. them and change mm. them? And we do. And mm. maybe it's not the most formalized process of okay, chaps. We're yeah. going to, it's we're, organic. It's, it's, it's more it's organic. Process it? revision day yeah. today. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it, it, we look at it. We say, okay. We used to, you know, at the back of that that factory uh, where, we, where the guys were doing the fiberglassing. Yep. We're going to move that fiberglassing into the spray booth. Then that frees up that area. Then we can start thinking about doing other things uh, in there. So it's, good. it's it's always as we grow, we sort of fill a space and then we refine yeah, all of our processes. Going well, we've got more space now. What how, what do we want to move? What's yeah. not working? Yeah, What's good. working well? Yeah. You know, and we shuffle things around. And then in the back corner here, there's this weird looking red thing. Yeah, that's that's massive. Is that one of your your biggest tools you have? It would actually be our physically largest tool, and it's not functional yet. 
So this is a 1992 Japanese laser cutter. Is this? Uh, it's a Amada LCV 6612 <laughs> for those out there who are you passionately could, you interested. You could build a battleship on that. In very small pieces. Yeah. It's yes. <laughs> uh, massive. Oh, uh, no, so it, it's a beast. But So the, here's the thing. It's you're huge. like, why did you get this? Yeah. Why did you get this, It was $2,000. From Grace? Grace. Are you seeing a pattern oh, here? I'm seeing a pattern. You sit uh, at home on your phone just going, thing, buy now, so, buy now, buy now, buy so now. Bad. Oh, so oh, my gosh. No, no, but I... I Does it work? Does this work for $2,000? Apparently. apparently. Uh, um, <laughs> so it cost me more than that to get it delivered because it's eight and a half tonnes. Oh, just that it? part is eight and a half tonnes. Oh, tons. my gosh. So anyway, um, the reason I bought it, so several reasons. One is, if it was, imagine it is working. We do a lot of laser cutting. Yeah. So we, can, we could buy our own stainless steel so we could find a manufacturer of stainless steel plate, yeah. buy it, bring in container loads of yeah, that and cut our up with it through here. And Great. Yeah, so to. we'd be saving some money, but also dealing with that supply chain issue mm. of being reliant yeah. on another company yep. to, to make sure they have all their ducks in a row. They've got their supply chains yep. locked down. Right. We could, I guess, yeah, cut that that issue out by yep. doing that as It's part of your strive for that self-sufficiency, which seems yeah. to be a pattern I'm, And I'm not saying yeah. I want to do everything, yeah. um, but I, I'm more than happy to to provide work for, for companies mm. here. I'm not like, oh, no, I want all of the all of the money or something. It's not it. No. It's, but, but it's like, all right, this is something we do a lot of. Mm. The opportunity came up. Yeah. And so if we can do our own laser cutting, then fantastic. Yeah. But here's the other thing. I like learning. Mm. I love learning. Mm. And... and I think that maybe the best example I've got of it is that old mixer. When I bought that mixer on Grey's Online, it was a rusty pile of, of junk, really, yeah. and I went to collect it. And it wasn't, it was still installed. It was on this massive steel frame. If you want to see it, jump on our Instagram yeah. and go to our stories. Okay. Uh, like the, you know, the, the, yeah, the yeah, favorite yeah. stories. Yep. And there's a whole series on the mixer. And, and what's your is, Instagram account there, it Ben? It is the Firebrick Co. The Firebrick Co. It is on Instagram. Go check them out and follow check them. Check it out. Yep. So if you, yeah, you. You want to watch someone recondition an old mixer, then yeah, it's, it's all on there. there. But I remember going to pick it up and I saw it in this factory up on this stand and I was like, what have I done? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was just, it had like, yeah. it had these massive control systems like panels and panels of electronics and wires, tiny wires running everywhere. And I was like just trying to picture myself mapping all the locations of the wires and everything. And I, as I left, so I, I just went to check it out. Yeah. I'd already paid for it. I left, I got to these traffic lights, and I nearly threw up. Oh, did you? <laughs> I, I was like so oh, nauseous because I was like, what, have, what I have, done? have you done? What have I done? This oh. is way too big a project. <laughs> um, and and the, it was the feeling, I would say, it was the physical feeling of being out of my comfort zone. Yeah, right. Completely okay. yeah. out. In your comfort zone, you're not nauseous, yeah. you're not stressed, yeah, yeah. but you're not learning anything mm, either. Mm, mm. Out of your comfort zone. Oh, man, that's where the learning yeah, happens. Yeah, that's great. But, geez, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. So, anyway, this laser cutter is that. I learned a huge amount from re restoring the mixer. Yeah. How to restore a gearbox. Yeah, fantastic. I can replace tapered bearings. Really? Now. Yeah, you need Don't liquid even know nitrogen. What that is. It's, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> um, so, so, I learned all this cool yeah, stuff right. from that process. Yeah, great. So, I bought this because in it I saw an opportunity to learn something else. Okay. Um, and so I'll get some experience with this in maybe in optics, maybe yeah. maybe just in control systems yeah, or sure, something like that, sure. um, that I don't know, I don't necessarily need. No, but it's a slow burn project for you, isn't it? It's a slow burn project. Yeah. It's, a pa it's a passion thing yeah, for me. No, it's, it's something that I can I can learn something new. And That's I think, exciting, I think a lot of people can, yeah. uh, like even building the ovens, mm. 
yeah. working with concrete yeah. for the first, first time. time it's something brand new Absolutely. and we've got some great instructions on yeah. helping you through that's that that's great and it's not that difficult no you just got to kind of commit to doing it you commit to do it yeah. and then and then you go through step by step yeah. this is how we do it yeah. oh okay it's yeah. not so bad yeah. but at the end of it there's this real feeling of accomplishment yeah. um, and that's actually there was a, a lady um, on Instagram she she put up all these finished photos of her build and she was so pumped oh, man. she was just, just like how awesome I am that? so stoked with this I'm so yeah. proud of this I had never done concreting before I'd never done tiling I'd never done any of this stuff and and look at this thing how cool Jesus. is it and, and isn't that great it is that's what it's about yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm passionate about that for my customers yeah. Yeah. But also for me. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, oh, so. It's very self-satisfying, isn't it? So so that... Well, that's a beast. Thus, well, you're going to have fun with that. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, well, yeah. good luck with it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, <laughs> thus endeth the tour. Well, that is a phenomenal tour. Thank you very much, Ben. And it's... um, Wow, what an honor. Thanks for joining me on this episode of this fascinating factory tour at the Firebrook Company in this amazing place that Ben and Kate and their team have put together over the last few years. Stay safe, have fun, and go cook with fire. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you follow the Wood Fired Oven podcast and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcasting app. Please consider posting a review on Apple Podcasts, as this really helps the show. Don't forget to check out woodfiredoven.cooking for more tips, tricks, and advice on cooking with fire. You can also see full episode notes and links. You can also post a question which I may feature on the show. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, so head over to your favorite social platform and get in touch. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time.